one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning, welcome in. Glad to have you along. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. The website is btgprogram.com and on social media it's at btgprogram. The studio line is 585-431-1202. Give us a call anytime. We'd be glad to hear your perspective. That's 585-431-1202. If you're like me, then you're old enough to remember the great Steve Martin comedy acts from back when we listened to them on vinyl records. Perhaps you recall from his Comedy Is Not Pretty album, The Hostages Routine. I feel good tonight. I really do. I finally got something I always wanted, and uh, that's important. It really is. I finally got some uh, hostages. (laughs) Well, you see so many people with hostages nowadays, and you say, Hey, I'd like some, too. He makes three demands in exchange for the hostages, $100,000 in cash, a getaway car, and he wants the letter M stricken from the English language. He explains that you always have to make one crazy demand so that if you get caught, you complete insanity, and the gag is that he laughs at the notion of a getaway car. But the joke was classic because the idea of something as ridiculous as the letter M being stricken from the English language was so far-fetched that it made it humorous. Although, didn't Roger Waters sue to have the name Pink Floyd forever removed or something crazy like that? (laughs) But nowadays, such a Steve Martin bit might be lost on an audience who is familiar with such ridiculousness being normalized. Teams and players copyright slogans so that others can't use them. And I understand that there is merchandising considerations which go into these lawsuits, but it seems so trivial. And I'm not talking about registering your band name or some kind of unique or unusual slogan. But I think it's silly that familiar terms such as 12th man can be trademarked or the Patriots wanting to secure blitz for six. In sports, these are sort of, well, they're familiar terms. It would be expected that people will use them from time to time. New Minnesota head football coach P.J. Fleck used the phrase row the boat while he was at Western Michigan University to indicate the team's moving forward towards greatness one stroke at a time. For Fleck, it it also had a very personal meaning in getting over the tragedy of losing a child. He's been quoted as saying, no matter what happens, we're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. Since he has been hired at Minnesota, some wondered if he'd be able to use the phrase since row the boat is officially licensed by Western Michigan. But his agent has worked out an agreement, which, due to the personal connection he has to the phrase, WMU will release ownership to him so that he is free to use it as he likes. Well, maybe I shouldn't say free to use it. In exchange for the rights to such intellectual property as (laughs) row the boat, WMU has said that Fleck will make a yearly endowment of $10,000 to support a football scholarship 
the Fleck Family Football Scholarship. And Western Michigan also retains the right to use Row the Boat for any commemorative memorabilia celebrating the Broncos' success during his time at the school. Now, is it just me, or is this goofy? My big takeaway from this is we're missing out on a big money-making opportunity because we could all we could copyright all kinds of phrases like drive the car, uh, gently down the stream, yeah, paint the wall, change the tire, you know what? We should copyright all of those. We won't have to work anymore. It's crazy. That's I row the boat. That just gets me because like you shouldn't be able to copyright something that humans have been doing for thousands of years. Yeah, get out of here with that stuff. Coming up today on the program, we're going to take a look at the. Uh, the act under the big tent, which is the circus that is the New York Knicks, <laughs> in regard to the fast fiasco between owner James Dolan and former player Charles Oakley, we'll look at the biblical process for handling conflicts and how pride is often the biggest obstacle in achieving an amicable resolution. The L.A. Lakers have hired Magic Johnson as an advisor. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the Lakers? We'll talk about some biblical qualities of a good leader. Zach has a new list of shenanigans statements, and we'll tell you what it is that we liked this week. And that's all coming up today on Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game is a faith-based radio ministry, and like many radio ministries, our operating budget is mainly supported by our listeners. The program is not exclusively for people of faith, but it is our goal to use sports to introduce the message of Jesus Christ and give our listeners something to consider for themselves. Your financial gifts support the program's efforts to reach new markets and bring the message of the gospel to thousands of listeners each and every week. If you feel so led, you can make a secure donation through our website. Once again, that's btgprogram.com. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta, and this is Beyond the Game. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. It's here, Ram Sports Network, Christian Sports Television. That's right, Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Welcome back into Beyond the Game. 
Recording from Rochester, New York, you can find us on the web, btgprogram.com, or if it's on social media, at btgprogram. The show's available on podcast. It's downloaded in towns all across the United States and worldwide each week. And you can listen at our website. Once again, it's btgprogram.com. All our previous broadcasts are archived there. And you can subscribe to have the show downloaded to your device if you so choose each week. To all of you who listen, to all of you who support the program, we thank you. So the Carmelo Anthony trade talks were swept right out of the news by the nuttiness that is the New York Knicks. I mean, it is appropriate that this franchise makes its home at Madison Square Garden because it's it's just such a circus. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because it's so true. Just when you think that things couldn't get any worse for the New York Knicks, then comes this insanity surrounding the Charles Oakley situation. If you saw the video, it was just disturbing. One time, New York Nick great Charles Oakley being more or less dragged out and then arrested and charged with three counts of assault. And then an even uglier back-and-forth exchange between Oakley and Nick's owner, James Dolan. The next day, Oakley's, I don't know, I don't know what show this was on. I don't know who had this video, but there was Oakley telling a reporter that he was just sitting there. And that these guys, referring to the garden's security staff, just came up to him and stood there staring at him. Now, I got to tell you, I struggle with this a bit because that's that's not normally how people behave without, you know, some sort of being provoked in some way. But always like the truth is somewhere in between, right? Yeah. Where he's saying, I was a saint. And then the other guys are saying he was kicking a puppy. And then it's actually <laughs> it's somewhere in between where both sides are kind yeah. of. And I actually compared it to a three year old who writes on the walls and then trying to convince his or her parents that they didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> and people just don't do that. So it was car- kind of hard for me to buy into Oakley's complete innocence. I mean, it just didn't make sense. It didn't add up. And then there were a number of witness accounts following, which uh, seemed to depict Oakley as uncooperative, as very aggressive, and and corroborating the story of Oakley being verbally abusive. But Dolan then escalates the situation by completely banning Oakley from the arena. There haven't been a whole lot of bright spots for the New York Knicks in, what, the last what, I don't know, 40 years or so? Not a lot of bright spots. So for them to be banning one of their former players, that's embarrassing for for everybody. And of course, if the whole thing wasn't bizarre enough already, Dolan and the Knicks released a statement which said that they hoped he gets some help soon. Dolan himself then kept the circus act going by saying, quote, he has a problem with anger. He's both physically and verbally abusive. He may have a problem with alcohol. We don't know. Now, let me stop there. If you don't know, you shouldn't be saying anything. Yeah, because you're going to be in court tomorrow if that's... And there was the potential for that. There, And he might even still be weighing that yeah, out. You they can't talked just be about slandering it. dudes. Like, right. That's not they, cool. they talked about a defamation suit. We, I mean, we, we, he may have a problem with alcohol. We don't know. And you know what? He should. Because that's not just saying, you know... Charles Oakley kicks puppies. Charles Oakley's to say that he has an alcohol problem and an anger problem or whatever it was that they—that's a serious issue and a serious charge. Like you can't just be just say that off the cuff. No, you're you're absolutely right. Dolan, who according to a Sports Illustrated article back in 2007, went through alcohol rehab himself. He continued to try to justify the treatment of Oakley by telling the New York Post, 
I'm sure he has problems. I didn't have the problem he has. But when you're fighting addiction, it's not that much different from anger management or other diseases where you can't control yourself. Now, if Dolan is a recovering alcoholic, and I don't know if he is or isn't, perhaps he can identify the telltale characteristics more easily than others can in another person. But for crying out loud, if you do not know for certain to make that kind of suggestion or even allude to someone else's problems, well, that's inappropriate. If he suspects that Oakley has a problem, he should be trying to get him help privately, not fighting him publicly through the press. This is a stark contrast to the way George Steinbrenner did things with the New York Yankees. His going well above and beyond to help the likes of Daryl Strawberry or Dwight Gooden are, are just a couple of examples that come to mind, but there have been others. And we didn't hear about it till much, much later. Like them or hate them? The Yankees are a family that typically look out for their own. You can just you can look at how many of their former guys are at spring training. Oakley did admit to having a couple of drinks before the game, but he denies that he's suffering from an addiction. He told the New York Post that Dolan might think because I go to volunteer at Rebound Institute treatment centers with Jason, he's referring to Jason Williams, another former NBA player, that I'm a client. I'm just supporting the amazing work Jason is doing. I'm not an alcoholic, but Jason is. The Knicks and Oakley have had a they've had a cold relationship for many years, for, for a long time. Which is why Oakley believes Dolan didn't want him there and why he wanted him removed in the first place. And of course, since then, fans, celebrities, media, they're all choosing sides, taking either Team Oakley or Team Dolan. But to me, both sides have been behaving like children for like I said, quite a while. It's, I, this whole situation is just like teenage girls in like different cliques in high school. It's unbelievably petty behavior. Oakley has publicly trashed Dolan for years. Dolan and the Knicks refused to acknowledge Oakley's history with the team. He played for them for 10 seasons. He was, and he still is, a fan favorite. And yet the Knicks, uh, they, don't, they don't acknowledge him in any way. On Sunday, when the Knicks upset the San Antonio Spurs, it was, I mean, it was absurdly ridiculous. It was just sad. And obviously, and just intentional, that Dolan was in full damage control. When he's sitting at the game with a number of former Knicks, right after this situation with Oakley, there he is. Suddenly he's sitting with guys like Vin Baker, Larry Johnson, Bernard King, and even Latrell Sprewell. He's got confirmed anger problems. <laughs> I mean, it was just a pathetic display. Up until Sunday, as far as anybody knew, Dolan and Sprewell had a feud that was going. But suddenly that wasn't the case anymore. The whole thing was an embarrassment. It's completely mishandled from the start. And obviously, like I said, sitting there with these former players it just was a bad look. Add to all this nonsense the head of security for, for the Garden was then reportedly let go after this incident. A guy who was a top-level U.S. Secret Service official for both George W. Bush and Barack Obama. He's been noted for security details at such events such as the NATO summit that held, they held in Chicago in 2012. He was involved in that. He was involved in Chicago marathons in 2013-2014. This is a guy that's he has got some credentials. He's good enough to work for two presidents of 
rival political parties, but not good enough anymore to work for the Knicks? I, I think, you know, in the next version of Webster's Dictionary, next to scapegoat, it's just going to have that dude's picture because that's it's super obvious that he just like somebody had to take the fall. So it was him. Hey, it's just crazy. You can't make this kind of stuff up. In my opinion, both sides are wrong. They're absolutely wrong. They worked harder at justifying their own actions than they did at finding a resolution. A classic peeing contest, if you know what I mean. Oakley seems to have started the whole thing. But because Dolan and the Knicks have spent so much time and worked so hard at trying to justify themselves to try to make Oakley look bad, Oakley now comes off as being a victim in this thing. Madison Square Garden has lifted its ban of Oakley, but he, according to reports, is not ready to return anytime soon. He's not feeling it. I think Charles Oakley is right to say thanks, but no thanks to coming back to games. Because if you're the Knicks, just to lift the ban and say, okay, he's not banned anymore, you're still not admitting any guilt in the, the process. You're saying, all right, we've decided he can come hang out with us again. The whole stupid thing could have been avoided if if either party or both parties could have put their pride aside and just exhibited a little bit of humility. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. How petty each side seems in this situation. How petty. I mean, do you really respect the way either has behaved? Of course not. And it seems to me, I, I get the sense that most tend to sympathize with Oakley. And I think that's probably more because Dole and the Knicks have been such a laughing stock than it is that Oakley has handled himself with integrity. I mean, if I described the events of that night at the game and I didn't include any names, I think you would probably agree that the Knicks were justified in having him removed. But so often, Pride keeps people from working towards peace with one another. It instead acts as a stumbling block. Jesus warns of things that are stumbling blocks in our lives, and pride often is. Matthew eighteen seven. Jesus says, Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks, for it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to that man through whom the stumbling block comes. Look, there's going to be problems in life. There's going to be conflicts. But shame on you if you're the problem. Shame on you if you're the one who creates or escalates the situation. Instead of telling the press that Charles Oakley may have a problem and hinting at alcoholism, Dolan should have gone to Oakley and asked him about it. And not with a spirit of confrontation, not wanting to condemn the guy, simply showing concern and wanting to help him. It's so important that we first go directly to the person. Go to the person who hurt us, who's offended us, or who we have a disagreement with. I know it's easy, and it does kind of feel good to do it, but we shouldn't be griping and complaining and gossiping to anybody who will listen. And I know, look, I know how Christians can be all righteous about it sometimes. Try to play it off as as being real spiritual, like, Hey, listeners, if you would, pray for Zach. You know, he needs some wisdom because we have this disagreement and he just he's being obstinate and a real jerk. So so pray for him. You know, you want to appear as though you're all spiritual and you're not gossiping. You're not talking bad about him. 
but you're you're being insincere, and everybody knows that you're just trying to make him look bad while trying to get the thing off your chest. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 and 16, Jesus gives a little outline for how to handle conflict. He says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have you have won your brother. In verse 16, he says, but if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. Go to the person and try to get it right. Go talk to him. I know it's hard, but go do that. If that doesn't work, go to them again, but this time take another person or two. Again, not confrontationally, but with sincere concern that, you know, you want to see things put right. And if they still won't come around, at least you have a couple of witnesses who can say that you tried. Your hands are clean. But by the way, those witnesses may see that you have some fault in the matter, and they may even see that you have all the fault in the matter. So be prepared and be open to receive that. That's where humility goes hand in hand with trying to get our pride under control. Always private before public. Often people prefer to complain about things because, you know, it's easier than actually going to somebody and discussing something that may may be difficult to do. Remember, forgiveness and restoration is our goal. Too often people are like Jonah. You know, when we're angry, we just want to see our rival squashed. Like Jonah wanted to see judgment on Nineveh as opposed to seeing the people repent. In this chapter that we've been going through here, Matthew chapter 18, Peter asks Jesus how often one needs to grant forgiveness. Seven? But Jesus says in verse 22, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, you just keep forgiving as often as they keep asking. That's a hard thing because you question their sincerity, but that's really not up to us. Leave that in God. It's up to us to just forgive. I mean, there's so much anger and division in the world, and the church isn't immune to it by any means. It's not something that, you know, Christians are just as guilty of it. We need to look for peace, to look for restoration, and to both seek and grant forgiveness. It's not easy, this Christian life. It's not, it's not easy. It's not always easy to handle things the proper way. But it's always blessed by God when we do things His way. It's always blessed by God when we do things His way. I'm Rick Benson. I'm glad you're with us. I should say His way is doing things with a clean heart and with clean motives. This is the Beyond the Game program. Is here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian Sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network. More than a game. Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view, highlighting the stories and the people of faith. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. Welcome back to the show, recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here's your host, Rick Benson. Welcome back once again. 
Thanks for being with us here on Beyond the Game. Shenanigans is one of my favorite segments that we do on this program. It allows us to cover a number of topics in a short amount of time. Zach Barletta is going to make a few statements, after which we will either agree with those statements or call shenanigans on them. So take it away, Zach. All right. Recently retired quarterback Michael Vick has stated that he believes he should be elected to the NFL Hall of Fame when he's eligible. So truth or shenanigans, Mike Vick is a Hall of Famer. Shenanigans. (laughs) He bases his opinion on the fact that he changed the game, and he did, but that's not to say it won't change again. To put a guy in who really doesn't have the numbers to support being in simply because he changed the game when it may be a temporary change, well, that's just ridiculous. Of course not. In in fact, based on his reasoning, shouldn't the coaches who utilized him that way be the ones that go into the Hall of Fame and not him? Yeah, I would think so. I call shenanigans as well. He did change the game. You know, he really ushered in this era. He and like Donovan McNabb, you know, of the big, strong arm, but also really mobile quarterback. The problem I have with it is that he just doesn't I don't think, have the numbers. You know, he didn't have a long enough career because it was interrupted by jail time. He spent a lot of time as a backup. You know, yeah, he changed the game, and maybe he belongs in the Hall of Fame in part of an exhibit about guys who changed the game, you know, or something (laughs) like that. Acknowledge that he really was, you know, he was the greatest uh, Madden player of all time. If you you used him in Madden, you would never lose. Yeah, if you have a Madden section, then you you put him in. And he ended up at the end of, when it was all said and done, he had a nice career, but it's not a Hall of Fame career. This one you'll, I'm sure, have strong opinions on. The New York Giants released running back Rashad Jennings and wide receiver Victor Cruz and are reportedly preparing to cut ties with tight end Larry Donnell. So truth or shenanigans, the Giants are freeing up cash to sign a top free agent this offseason. You know, shenanigans, I, I don't think so. Though the Giants did sign some top free agents that were available last year, that was more the exception than the norm mm-hmm. for how they roll Um, they'll sign some guys, but I don't think they're going to chase top guys. I mean, I'd keep an eye out for Brandon Marshall maybe playing for the other New York team. Cruz was often injured. He plays a position they have depth at. Jennings was productive at times, but not consistent enough. Perhaps he would have benefited from a fullback, which the Giants didn't have. But, you know, I see these cuts as just painful football decisions. They're players that fans like. I like them. But um, I don't think these were moves to set up other moves, at least not other major moves. Yeah, I. you hit on a big point that I wanted to mention, which is that they really spent a ton of money last offseason. And I, I don't think you would see them spend a ton of money in back-to-back offseasons like that. And last year there was a clear need, we got to make this defense better. And they went out and spent a ton of money, and they made the defense a lot better. Um, the one name that I've heard actually since I wrote this question was Adrian Peterson that he tweeted something something to the effect of oh the Giants are making lots of moves and of course that started rampant speculation you know but do you cut one aging running back in Rashad Jennings for an even older running back in Adrian Peterson you know and I think it would depend on how you define top free agent because I don't know that AP is all that good at this. Yeah, point. I wouldn't call him a top free agent. Before, I mean, it, I know that their line it's a brand name. Yeah, I know that their line was bad in Minnesota, but he was putrid before he got injured. So I, I think it's going to be buyers beware for Adrian Peterson. I think the Giants are smarter than that. 
The Montreal Canadiens are mired in a long slump in which they've been shut out a few times and lost to some bad teams. So truth or shenanigans, the Habs are in trouble. Why don't you go ahead and go first? I think so. Uh, I think the bump that you get from firing your coach and getting a new coach, as they have done, stealing, uh, not stealing, but taking a coach from their rival Boston Bruins, uh, the bump that you get from that only lasts for so long. And, you know, I was looking back through their schedule. They lost to teams like the Islanders, who, you know, no offense, they're not a very good hockey team. Uh, they got shut out in back-to-back games by the Oilers and the Avalanche. The Avalanche might be the worst team in hockey. So I just, I feel like it's an extended slump, and we saw this from them last year. They got out to that blazing start, and then something happened where, like, you know, the pilot flame blew out, and they just were were stalled. And I think we're seeing the same thing again. It's remarkable how similar these seasons are, especially mm-hmm. considering how terrific they've started out the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really were playing terrific hockey, and, man, they got off to a great start. Two seasons in a row to have such a start to follow it up with a complete collapse. You asked if the Habs are in trouble. Uh, you know, in trouble for what? Missing the playoffs? That I'd say shenanigans. They're They've not going to miss the playoffs. Lead, yeah. yeah. They built their big lead. They're still in first place in the Atlantic Division. You know, they made a coaching change, which I said they should have made that a year ago when he benched P.K. Subban out of spite. You know, they they did this last year, yeah. too, as we just said. I, I don't think they can beat out a Washington, a Pittsburgh, maybe not even Columbus or the Rangers to represent the East in the finals. But I think they'll make the playoffs. And if they can turn things around and get mm-hmm. some good goaltending, and they've got a terrific goaltender. So I think they can win a series or two, but I don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to represent the East. This is a little bit off topic, but isn't it crazy to see a team that's in first place by that big of a lead fire their coach? Isn't But that just... you got you got a, a collapse, a major mm-hmm. collapse oh, for yeah. the second year in a row. And like I said, the guy benched PK Subban, their mm-hmm. their best player. Yeah. Out of spite, rode him out of town. Yeah. Uh, I think they needed to make a change. Absolutely. Former Nick Charles Oakley deserved his ban from MSG. Truth or shenanigans? I say shenanigans. You know, after sifting through this through the reports, mm-hmm. I think he deserved to be removed on that particular night, but I'm not sure he deserves to just be completely unilaterally banned. Perhaps presented with a look, man, if this happens again type thing, uh but I no, I and even even if you do that and you say, look, if this happens again, the next step would be a a ban for a period of time, just not mm-hmm. never come back. Right. I I say shenanigans because I don't know all the details of this, but from what I understand, he came in loud and obnoxious and belligerent. And if you're going to ban him for that, you have to ban every other fan in the building because that sounds like pretty much every Knicks fan <laughs> at MSG. So I, I find it hard to single out one guy for that. So I'm I'm going to say shenanigans. Last but not least, the Atlanta Braves spent the offseason adding experienced veteran players like Bartolo Colon, who for some reason my phone autocorrected to Bartolomeo Colon, which I kind of like better and R.A. Dickey, and capped it off by acquiring second baseman Brandon Phillips from Cincinnati last weekend. So truth or shenanigans, the Braves, with their roster full of veterans, could be a surprise contender this season. Come on, you could say it's okay, they know. <laughs> shenanigans. 
They will be improved, but I don't see them getting past the Mets or the Nationals in the Eastern Division. I mean, that division's going to be tougher this year. Mm -hmm. The Phillies are even looking like they might be improved. I understood the pitching angle that the Braves picking up Cologne and Dickey. They Mm -hmm. needed veteran guys to eat up some innings with such a young staff coming up. But I really don't think I get the Phillips trade. I, I don't think I understand it unless they believe they can contend, but I don't. I felt like with the Brendan Phillips trade that you know they had signed Sean Rodriguez to be sort of their utility infielder with a little power, and then he got in a car accident, got shoulder surgery, is going to miss the season. So I feel like he's brought in to fill that role, and the Reds are paying basically his whole salary this year. So I understand the move. I just don't think it helps them very much because I don't think he's very good anymore. And, um, you know, I think I think the Reader's Digest version is they'll be in last place again, just not by as much as last time. <laughs> well, that's a good – that's an improvement. And <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what That's they progress. Hey, we're going to take a break. We'll give you the Red Hawks report for this week. When we come back, we're going to talk about Magic Johnson taking a job with the L.A. Lakers. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Here now is the Red Hawks Report. This for this week, February 18th, 2017. The Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Last weekend was certainly a busy one for Roberts Wesleyan Athletics team, so let's get right into it. The women's bowling team fell to 0-2 on their inaugural season, losing at the Golden Bear Classic at Cutsdown University. Meanwhile, the men's tennis team swept Salem International University 9-zip, improving their record to 9-2. And in track, the men took fourth place and the women fifth at the Colgate Class of 32. For the men, freshman Tracy Harrison took first in the 60 meters, while fellow freshman Josiah Adelini finished first in the 800 meters, and yet another freshman, Ashton Collaire, took first in the 60-meter hurdles. Senior Sean LaDuke grabbed first place in the men's pole bowl. On the women's side, junior Chelsea Hayward had a first-place finish at 60 meters. In basketball last weekend, the women defeated LIU Post 78-70 at home behind scoring from a pair of juniors, getting 20 points from C.C. James and 17 from Brooke Fields. The men, meanwhile, lost to LIU Post 80-74. A different story this past Tuesday night, though, as both Red Hawks basketball squads were victorious on the road at Mercy College. The women winning 75-70 to improve to 15-10, 9-6 in conference, Fields led all scorers with 24 points, while freshman Emily Miller had a double-double, scoring 13 points to go with 10 rebounds. The men snapped the 10-game losing skid with a 71-66 victory, junior Manny Joseph netting 15 points, while sophomore Quinn Carey and freshman Isaiah Lewis each with 14. There was also lacrosse action with both the men and women in action yesterday, Friday, but we do apologize that this broadcast was recorded prior to those events. And good luck to the track and field teams participating in the NCCAA championships this weekend in Houghton. No sports at home this week for Roberts Wesleyan teams, though it is a busy week on the road. Both basketball teams will be hosting Damien College next Saturday, the 25th. The women are set for a 2 p.m. start at the Baller Athletic Center, while the men will go at 4. That'll do it this week for the Red Hawks Report, February 18th, 2017. The Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Of course, you can follow them on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks. This has been the Red Hawks Report presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. 
Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Benson and Barletta here with you on Beyond the Game. Mixing sports with faith. The L.A. Lakers recently hired team legend Magic Johnson as a basketball and business advisor to co-owner and team president Jeannie Buss. Seems like a good thing, right? Certainly a contrast to the way they do things in New York, the Knicks arguing with and even banning their former players from even coming into the arena. So hiring Magic to help with a team that is third worst in the league, well, that would be a good idea. I mean, who doesn't love Magic Johnson? But maybe not so fast. Within a week of being hired, could the media tour, some of the things that he said while on this little media tour this past week, could there be a sign of a little bumpiness in the road ahead? Beginning with an interview he did with USA Today, after he was asked what he aspires his role with the team to be, Johnson said, working to call the shots, because it only works that way. He went on to say, right now I'm advising. I get that. But at the end of the day, then we all got to come together and somebody's got to say, I'm making the final call, all right? And who's that going to be? So we'll see what happens. Whoa, big fella. Slow your roll here. Yeah, that's uh, that's not a good look. Let a little time go by before you try to take over. Now, of course, I'm kidding. I don't believe he's trying to take over. Johnson has business experience. He has basketball experience. He's said to be a tremendous people person. He would probably excel. Well, I'm sure he would. He would definitely excel at running the team and having the final say. But are these comments at least a little reason for concern that he will eventually, and maybe even sooner than later, be trying to wrestle away control of the team? Now, at first, I didn't think so. And Like I said, truth be told, deep down, I still really don't think so. But after he appeared on ESPN's first take this week, I got to tell you, there is a little bit of doubt in the back of my mind. On the program, Magic expressed a desire to work with Kobe Bryant if he gets to call the shots, as he would like to do, saying that his first call would be to Bryant. First call I make if I'm in charge? Kobe Bryant. Because Kobe understands winning. He understands also these players. I would call... What role you want? If you've got a day, just give me that day. I'll take that. Whatever time he has, I want him to come in and be a part of it. Now, don't doubt. Laker fans would love to see the two former Laker greats rescue this franchise. Jim Buss, Jeannie's brother, he's been in charge of the franchise since her father passed away in 2013. He said during that time that 
he would step down after three to four years if the franchise wasn't competing for NBA titles again by that time. Well, this is the third season since those comments, and the Lakers aren't even close. They haven't won 20 games yet this season, and they've got the third worst record in the league. At the time we recorded this program, they are 65 and 181 during those three previous seasons. Magic acknowledged that his role, though, is ultimately defined by Jeannie Buss. And is there anybody, does anybody not expect to see, I think it's her former now boyfriend, and another legendary Laker great former coach Phil Jackson walking back through the door? I fully expect to see Phil Jackson back in L.A. Magic Johnson says, look, Jim knows where we are. Jeannie knows where we are as a franchise. And so some decisions have to be made. I may be only in this role for a short term. I may be here for a long time. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. I can't tell you that right now. Johnson says it's going to take a few years for the Lakers to get turned around. He said that he spent his first week on the job just learning about the NBA's collective bargaining agreement, the salary cap, and some other business-related items. He admits while he can evaluate talent, there are numerous other things he needs to fully understand before he can take over the ship, if indeed that's part of the bus's family plans. Now, truly, I don't think he's already on a power play. I don't think he's attempting some sort of coup. Uh, you know, I, I, he seems to be a guy, and I don't know him, but from, from the distance, he looks like a guy, he seems like a guy that has a lot of class, and I don't think he'd be trying to overthrow somebody. And, and by the way, is there anything really wrong with having aspirations or dreams or having some career drive, wanting to climb the ladder? Of course not. But maybe he just needs to develop a leader's ability to say things without really saying things. Having the great Magic Johnson involved with the team and utilizing his electric personality, that million-dollar smile, his charm to influence free agents, well, that would seem to be a great asset. Although in today's NBA, it seems like superstar players and, and winning are more important to luring other stars to a team. Players value the chance to win and an organization's stability. Kevin Durant's jump to Golden State, well, that's just a prime example of this. Not that that's, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but it's just different than the way the mindset used to be. Players are less likely to be influenced by a good business pitch, which is steeped in a team's former glory days. Kobe Bryant was a great basketball player. He's a legendary, reputed to be a hard worker. He's a winner. There's no reason to think that it wouldn't translate to success in the front office, especially if he went about it with the same hardworking mentality that he applied to the basketball court. But to make him your first call, as Johnson said he would, well, that would seem to indicate that Johnson's not quite ready to run the team. No offense to Kobe, but he would need to learn a bit about front office life before he would be the first call guy. Kobe's a guy who at times wouldn't even talk to his teammates and stuff, you know, because he was so intensely into what he was doing and he would get upset with people and stuff. And I just don't know if that's a guy fresh off of the end of his playing career that you want to thrust into a role like that with no experience. I don't, I don't know. Because then you got then you got Magic and Kobe and two guys who neither one of them have any experience doing this kind of thing. 
Yeah, you know, at least Magic's been in the business world for many years. Kobe would have to learn. I'm sure he'd be successful, but he would he you know, he's not he's not a first call guy yet. There are other guys. There are guys that at this stage are better suited. Again, no offense to Kobe, but I'm I'm not making him my first call. But if he wanted to take a role with the team, I am sure the Lakers would jump at the chance to plug him in somewhere. But the fact that Magic Johnson is even talking about what he'd do if he was in charge and doing so publicly. Well, that says a little something there. It shows that he needs to learn a little bit more about being a leader off the court. I don't mind his ambition. I don't mind his zeal. Like I said, I don't mind him wanting to climb the corporate ladder or that he seems to eventually want to be the guy that has the final say. I would admire that drive in a guy. But a good leader knows how to rein that in a little bit so that he doesn't offend or or even scare off the good people who are also part of that team. Behind every good leader, there is a team of people working to make that organization successful. In ministry, sometimes this is forgotten. In ministry, sometimes good people, and I, I mean good people, get caught up in being the person in charge, in getting recognition for the job that's getting done. They lose sight of the fact that it's God. It's God who's allowing them to be involved in a work which he is doing. A good leader is able to be humble. They know that at times you have to let the people around you do the things they do. The best leaders have prepared those following them by having shown them by example. It's servant leadership. Jesus, studying Jesus is, there's a servant leader, the best there ever was. Peter wrote to ministry leaders in 1 Peter chapter 5. He instructs them to be humble and not to flaunt their authority. I'm going to start in verse 2, again, the 1 Peter chapter 5. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Be an example. Don't lord over your authority. Be an example to people, a servant leader. Oftentimes, churches lack volunteers because they develop a a reputation for never really allowing those volunteers an opportunity to serve. And when they do, they overly criticize how the job was done. They, so those those people, they end up going somewhere where they can use their talents, where they can use their gifts and they're able to serve. Yeah, you know, there's going to be times when a volunteer does a job differently than you do. But what you really have to ask, did they do it incorrectly? Did they do it poorly? Or did they just do it differently? You know, people learn from mistakes. Well, at least smart people do. A good leader doesn't let his let his followers, let his charges make, or her charges, make big, costly mistakes. But they give them a little room to make some small ones. But then they're right there to help set things back in order. The book of Proverbs is full of leadership wisdom. A study of Proverbs provides many excellent points on how we can learn to make good decisions in leadership. In this book, Solomon, who was king of Israel, acknowledges such things as God is greater than the king is. Solomon understands humility, 
as well as obedience to God. He acknowledges that God knows the wisdom of the universe and that all wisdom is found in him. Solomon understood where to get wisdom from. James 1.5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So many of the principles that are found in Proverbs regarding leadership, they well, you know, they actually apply to many areas of our lives, whether it be life, home, church, work, school. Being a humble servant leader is important, but so are things like, well, integrity. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 12, It is an abomination to kings to commit wickedness, for the throne is established by righteousness. Personal integrity is demonstrated by who we are and what we do when nobody is looking. A good leader is merciful and loving. Proverbs twenty twenty eight. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and his throne is upholden by mercy. Good leaders love and respect those who work for and with them. Good leaders seek good advice. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Everybody needs some advice from time to time. But often it's best to get it from enough people to have a good sample size of thoughts of which to consider. It takes humility to admit that you don't have all the answers. Good for Magic Johnson for wanting a guy like Kobe Bryant around him. Proverbs teaches us that good leaders have self-control. Proverbs 28.15, As a roaring lion and a ranging bear, so is a wicked ruler over the poor people. A leader who cannot control himself, who is a tyrant, is not going to have the respect of those who they lead. A good leader is compassionate. Proverbs 29.14, If a king faithfully judges the poor, his throne will be established forever. You know, Jesus, he's the ultimate at taking time for the poor, loving on the outcast. He was naturally drawn to the weak, who needed someone to help them, who needed someone to stand for them. The book of James teaches that pure religion is to look out for orphans and widows who are in distress. These are just a few examples found in Proverbs of leadership skills, self-control, compassion, mercy, loving, seeking good advice. I'd encourage you to study it for yourself. The book is 31 chapters. A lot of people will read a chapter from the book of Proverbs every day. Obviously, if you do that, you'll read it 12 times a year. You'll see other things like not needing public approval, Proverbs 29, 25. You'll see the importance of good balance in life or moderation, Proverbs 31, verses 4 and 5. How about being fully submitted to God, Proverbs 21, 1. That might be the most important characteristic of a good leader. When a person is submissive to God, God will direct that person into ways which best serve and glorify him. And the amazing thing is, that results in even more blessings for that person. Remember that if you're in a place of leadership, and really everybody is in some capacity, even if you're only leading one other person or a younger sibling, whatever it is, God has you there for a purpose. Don't brag on what you've accomplished, but consider how he has led you and how others have helped you. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24 says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. 
Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Jesus is the King of all kings, and yet he gave his life for lowly sinners like you or I. That's servant leadership. He didn't wait for us to become good-hearted people before giving himself as a sacrifice to pay the debt of our sins. He did it while we were sinners. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's servant leadership in full display, willingly laying down his life so that he who never sinned bore the sin of the entire world. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. As a result, forgiveness of sins is available to those who would simply ask. 1 John 1, nine says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Bible says that whosoever, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. If you want to be saved from your sins, the guilt, the punishment, of your sins, call upon him today. Pray to God and tell him that you know you're a sinner. Tell him that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Admit your guilt. Seek his forgiveness. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and turn away from them. Leave them in the past. I'm not saying you'll never sin again, but begin a new path, seeking after righteousness, desiring to draw closer to God. When a person seeks God's forgiveness, Instead of seeing our sins, God sees his son Jesus on the cross, taking away the debt of those sins. We're glad you're here with us. Reach out to us through our social media sites, Twitter, Facebook, if there's anything we can do to help, even if you just want somebody to pray for you. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Have you ever thought where you'll go when you die? A recent poll found that more than four out of five people in the U.S. believed in heaven. The really interesting research comes when you ask how and why you get there. Do you know the answer, or are you just hoping for the best? Jesus gave us the answers to how we can join him in heaven and be assured of our eternal fate. If you want to learn how to trust in Jesus and assure your place in heaven, call 888-NEED-HIM or chat with us at chataboutjesus.com. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. And now it's time for the most awesome thing I saw this week. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. I don't believe what I just saw. Yes, that's awesome. By now you've probably seen these types of video going viral numerous times before. But much like those surprise military homecomings, you know, where 
service men and women show up at their child's basketball game or surprise a sibling at one of their events or of some sort. I, I just can't get enough of these videos. Yeah, I've never had. There's not a lot of military service members in my family, so I've never been at one of those and experienced one. But just seeing the video, like, you know what it must be like to, Oh yeah. you know, here's somebody that's out serving their country, getting shot at every day. And, you know, here suddenly, here they are home unexpectedly. Like, that would just have to be. Yeah, I'm, I've never been at one, but I just I can't get enough of these videos. This past Tuesday night was senior night and the final home game of the season for the Springville girls basketball team in Springville, Utah. And with some help from the team manager, Taylee Smith, a girl with Down syndrome, they were able to secure the regional championship. With agreement from both teams and after sitting on the bench for two seasons, Taylee got in the game. By the next morning, video of Smith coming onto the court with her teammates and making a basket had been viewed on ESPN SportsCenter Instagram more than one million times. But this is not the first time the young lady has been featured in a video which went viral. Taylee was also named Springville's homecoming queen last fall. Smith's parents are obviously overjoyed, and this community and school which has befriended this girl and loved on her more than just this one time they are certainly a group of special people. This video of Taylee Smith's basketball dreams coming true was the most awesome thing I saw this week. Proverbs 27.2 says, Let another praise you, and not your own mouth. We have a segment on the show we call You Like That. You like that! You like that! Where we look for stories and people to praise for the good things which they did. This past week, Mike Illich, who was the owner of the Detroit Tigers and the Detroit Red Wings, he passed away at the age of 87. Living briefly in Lakeland, Florida, where the Tigers call home during spring training, I had actually heard some stories of Illich's generosity, though I never heard this one. In 1994, civil rights pioneer Rosa Parks, who at the time was 81, she had moved to Detroit in 1957, was robbed and assaulted in her home in central Detroit. Now, what kind of lowlife robs and assaults an 81-year-old woman? But a federal judge had contacted a local real estate developer seeking a safer home for Parks, which the developer pledged that he would locate. When Mike Gillitz read about the plan in a newspaper, he called the judge and said that he would pay for Parks' housing for as long as was necessary. Parks passed away 11 years later in 2005 at the age of 92. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And while I don't know of his relationship with Jesus— in that act, and many others, I'm pretty sure, ills defined what it means to bear one another's burdens. The generosity and the compassion of the like Mike Illich is what I like, you like this that? week. You like that? What I like this week was a piece that Jerry Krasnick wrote for ESPN about a side of the late Jordano Ventura that we never got to see. He details how Ventura spent time with kids that had cancer, and it actually made me feel really bad because Ventura was always one of those players that I had strongly disliked because of his antics on the field with starting brawls and throwing at other players and stuff. But this article really showed a more human side of him. And, and for a young guy, his understanding of of how to interact with kids that were suffering and had diseases and stuff. And uh, it was really touching uh, and it affected me. So that's what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? I want to thank you for listening to Beyond the Game. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 